Hey team, I want you to meet MJ Peters, VP of Marketing at Colab Software. But first, you got to hear what Carl Ferreira said about MJ. MJ Peters, gosh, what to say. Uh, so MJ uh, was my boss here at Refine Labs, and she is a VP of Marketing now at another awesome uh, tech startup. But MJ is one of these marketers um, that will be a CRO or CEO one day, but she closed millions of dollars in business at Refine Labs and is probably one of the most sought after marketers um, in B2B SaaS today. Like you think about how dynamic of a person you have to be to be a world-class marketer and be able to close half a million dollar deals, you know, um, and just knock them down. Right. So, I mean, just, just, just a genius. She really is just brilliant. And you definitely got to have her on the podcast. MJ, what are three ways your team converts your market into revenue? So I am pretty new in my new role. This is, uh, this is the beginning of week four for me. So this is how, uh, what the answer I'm going to give is how I think about converting market into revenue. And, um, pretty soon we will, uh, we'll be doing all these things. Uh, some of them are in progress already. So, uh, number one, I think in order to convert your market into revenue, which I love that as a concept, by the way, uh, you need to prioritize the segments of the market that are going to be easiest to convert to revenue. So figure out where you're going to focus. Um, I, almost every time I've started a new marketing role, there is an opportunity to narrow the focus from what the company is currently focused on so that you can do every other step in the process that much better and in that much more of a personalized way for that segment. Number two, once you've figured out where you're going to focus, uh, you need to understand your customer's job. You need to understand the key outcomes that they are trying to produce, and you need to understand pain points that they experience when trying to do that or sources of frustration I love to ask the question, what is less than ideal about how you do that today? Um, that allows you to create validated messaging for each of those segments. And then finally, you're going to distribute. And um, I think of distribution as both an inbound and an outbound motion. So uh, here at Colab, we are doing a lot of work to really align what our SDRs are doing and what they're saying with what we're doing uh, from a marketing perspective to Make sure that the customer gets the same experience, whether the touch point is inbound or whether it's outbound. What are three hard problems that you recently overcame? So uh, week four, uh, number one, definitely establishing credibility in a new role. And something that I found that worked for this uh, is, this is just reflection. This was not my game plan going in, but um, I got one people win, one operational win, and one strategy win in my first four weeks. People win being building trust with the people that are on my team um, by showing them that I care about their career progression and uh, helping them. So quick people win. A quick operational win was around uh, helping the team implement just like a new meeting structure that has worked really well at a previous company. So bringing in experiences from past companies, great way to earn trust as, a, as an exec. And then a strategy win. So uh, going out and pulling customer insights into the organization that weren't there before that are starting to inform the strategy. Number two, figuring out where to start. Um, there's so many things that you could do as a marketing leader in a new role. Um, it really helped me that our CEO is super clear on the role of marketing in the organization. It's about making sure that, the, that we speak the language of our customers, that we understand their pain points, uh, we, we are eventually going to be creating a category. So that's going to be a big focus of marketing. 
Um, and then, of course, putting points on the board from a demand gen perspective. Um, and then finally, getting buy-in for the first couple of levers I want to pull. So, um, you know, when you enter a new organization, how do people make purchasing decisions here? How do we decide that we're going to take one step forward in this direction instead of that direction? Who do I need to talk to? Who wields power and authority here? Figuring all of that stuff out, um, it's, it's coming along. What are three roadblocks that you're working on now? So two of them have to do with our target market. So collab markets to uh, industrial equipment companies for the most part. And um, it's a target market that is historically fairly slow to adopt new technology. And so we're obviously a technology company um, and we have to figure out how to compel people that, hey, this is something you need to do today. Um, and digital transformation is not just something people like to talk about, but we need to, to start executing on these things. So we need to have a really compelling message to get people to adopt our tech. Number two, uh, same thing, target market. Um, sometimes we sell into an operations persona um, and in manufacturing, I don't know uh, if you've been around a lot of ops people from manufacturing, but they're tough, right? Like they're like, I don't need any help. Um, I'm gonna do what I gotta do. I'm gonna get it done, you know? Um, and so it's a it's a persona that doesn't often like want to reach out and ask for help. Um, so again, we gotta we gotta meet people where they are um, and understand that that's part of the mindset. And then number three, coming back to category creation, I don't think that's easy to do. So I don't know if it's a roadblock or just something that I'm anticipating being very challenging, um, but it's gonna be really fun. I'm excited about that one. What are three mental models that you use to do your best work? I love this question. Um, I have all kinds of mental models. Uh, Number one is time management, how I think about time management. And it's funny because I, I think uh, a lot of experts in time management, you talk about all these things. And um, because I apparently don't read enough literature on that, I pieced this together over many years and then later realized that I could have just read a book and got the whole system. Um, but number one is how do, I, how do I sort things that are coming my way to make sure that I make the decisions I need to make, that I take the actions I need to take. Um, and so I sort it into three buckets do it now. <laughs> if I'm going to do it and it takes less than five minutes, do it now. Um, delegate or say no. And I, I try to do that right away as well. Um, Cause typically delegating or saying no takes less than five minutes. And then number three, if I need to do it, but it's going to take more than five minutes, then I will time block it. Uh, and I've been time blocking for a really long time now. I used to do it with sticky notes. <laughs> then I did it with just my calendar. And now I use this awesome app called motion. Um, so that I don't forget things because things are flying at me all the time. So that's how I think about time management. Number two, um, I just started reading Atomic Habits, or I'm probably about halfway through the book now. Um, and one thing that I do already that is referenced in the book that I might now do more intentionally is called habit stacking. So if you want to create a new habit, uh, then what you do is you stack it with a habit that you already have. Uh, and my example from my personal life is I want to, I'm, I'm pretty good at hydration. <laughs> like I want to remember to drink water throughout the day. Um, and I realized having read this book that I already have a habit stack each morning when I, uh, when I drink my coffee, uh, I drink iced coffee. So I use kind of like a pint glass. And uh, before I fill it up with coffee, I fill it up with water and I finish the water first. And so I've created a habit stack um, and I, I'm gonna, I've just come across this concept. So I'm gonna try to do that more intentionally with other uh, good habits I want to form. And then the last one is I participate in this um, peer networking kind of group that's um, called up teaming. And I participate every kind of like 
quarter, once a quarter, I would say, and it's with other marketing leaders to discuss our challenges. And one of the mental models that uh, I learned through upteaming is this concept called don't connect the bridge. And uh, it's a great way for leaders and probably just people mentoring others to um, share inspiration and help others get through roadblocks uh, in, a, in a different way than we've been taught. And, and basically how it works is uh, we often jump straight into wanting to give someone advice. So we'll share our experience and we'll give advice. Uh, Don't connect the bridge uh, instructs you to share your experience but do not give the advice. Stop short of giving advice. Let the person who is seeking to benefit from your experience process your experience in the context of the hard problem they are trying to solve and let them connect the bridge for themselves. And I think it's super interesting. Uh, and it's been super fun uh, trying that out with the up teaming groups. What are three techniques that other GTM teams need to try? Number one, I posted about this yesterday, um, the marketing discovery call. So um, we all know the sales discovery call. We uh, ask customers questions so we can effectively position our solutions in the sales process. The marketing discovery call is a lot broader than that. The purpose of the call is seeking to learn or seeking to understand as opposed to seeking to position something. Um, so you basically are just gathering information about your customer. So you can ask them about what a typical day in the life looks like. Or you can ask that question I referenced earlier in this conversation, what's less than ideal for you? And you, you can use that in all sorts of ways, whether it's bettering your product roadmap, uh, improving your messaging, figuring out what segments to focus on, coming back to question number one. Um, so I'm a big fan of the marketing discovery call. Number two, um, LinkedIn and Twitter organic as a recruiting tactic. So um, when I started posting on LinkedIn, every day at the time, and I probably post three times a week. Um, I had no idea that it was going to be like a superpower for my recruiting. Um, I was just kind of doing it for myself and to learn. Um, now I realize that I can get all-star candidates to apply to jobs because I have a personal brand. Um, I think that's something that go-to-market leaders should consider when they're deciding whether or not to invest their time there. And I think uh, I, I don't personally have a huge Twitter following, but I think you could do this on Twitter as easily as you can do it on LinkedIn. Um, and then number three um, is, this might not be applicable to everyone, but um, I've had a lot of success utilizing PR as a content channel. So I think a lot of people think of PR as like a place where you blast out announcements about your company. Um, years ago, I worked with a specialist PR agency that focused on only one segment of the market, and they were able to add value not only in getting distribution for our content, but what kind of content is going to work well in this channel. So through working with them, I really realized that um, PR is a content channel and uh, it's another way that you can get quality content in front of customers besides paid social, uh, besides organic social, besides email. Um, and, and actually at the time it helped us reach a lot of customers that we were not reaching in those other places. Who are three operators that should be our next guests and why? So um, three people that I think you should talk to. Number one, uh, Graham Immerman. He is VP of Marketing and Machine Metrics. Um, they do all kinds of really cool stuff in their marketing with data because their product generates a ton of data. Um, and he also just has, I think he'd have some cool mental models and he just has a very interesting philosophy on marketing as a whole. So he's a cool person to talk to. Um, Ryan Paul Gibson, he owns a company called Content Lift and he helps 
companies interview their customers. So he is an expert on that marketing discovery call and has worked with lots of companies on their go-to-market strategy. Bet you he has some super um, interesting techniques that other GTM leaders should apply. And then um, Grant Duncan, formerly of Vox Implant, about to start a new role. Don't know if I can tell you where that's going to be, um, but uh, super interesting guy, super interesting marketing leader and um, probably has a lot on his mind uh, since he's uh, making a new career transition. Wow. So good. I loved it. Thank you so much, MJ. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Hey team, what did you think about this? I think you got to put MJ Peters on your go-to-market talent watch list. If you can't recruit her, you can try to join MJ's team at Colab Software, or you can try to join mine at Monograph. We're both hiring. Oh, by the way, have we met yet? I'm Chris Morgan, host of the Market to Revenue podcast. Shoot me an email right now about what you thought about this episode. It's chris at markettorevenue.com. Talk to you in a moment.